Welcome to Wizard Boys, the podcast where two grown men vent their wizard-haunted brains for your amusement. Every episode, we cover a different wizard from movies, myth, or media. I'm Maxulon the Magnificent. I'm Jordismo the Jordabulous. And today, we're going to be talking about Granny Weatherwax from the Discworld novels by Terry Pratchett. The Witch of Witches. The Head Witch, or, well, it's complicated. One best to be avoided. Yes, the witch that you don't want to cross. The, the witch that if, if it did come down to it, she would be the head witch, but it never comes down to it because witches are all equal and kind of avoid each other, but everyone sort of acknowledges without acknowledging. Or the witch that you don't necessarily deserve, but the witch that you need. Like Batman. Absolutely. So let's get a bit into the this witch's deal. So Granny Weatherwax is from the Discworld novels by Terry Pratchett. If you're not familiar with the Discworld novels, they're a satirical fantasy series that takes place on the Discworld. The Discworld, as you can tell by its name, is a flat disc-shaped planet carried on the back of four elephants, carried on the back of a giant turtle crawling through space. It's a world where a lot of things sort of run by the weight of the stories behind them that uh, one in a million chances crop up nine times out of ten. It's like a less cynical Douglas Adams sort of vibe. I would agree with that, yeah. On the Discworld, magic is real, although slow and rare, but it's, so it's, a, it's a low fantasy sort of a setting, uh, with the exceptions of when it is uh, sometimes drastically high fantasy. And it really focuses more on the people in that than on the you know big earth-shaking things that happen. It's always about the people that uh, are sort of finding their way through these things. We can get into the the world around Granny Weatherwax. Uh, we can talk about Ankh-Morpork, which is the capital city of, not the disc exactly, it's the capital city of Ankh-Morpork. And we can talk about all sorts of things like that that happened there. But Granny Weatherwax lives in a small mountaintop country called Lanker, um, a place where the only flat surfaces are the tops of tables and some people's heads. It's one of those countries that if you flattened it all out would be bigger than the rest of the world combined. Because there's a lot of uh, a lot of geography in Lanker, but it's very tiny, very tiny, very steep, a lot of ups and downs and ins and outs. And Granny Weatherwax is part of a coven of three witches that operate there. Now, in in the Discworld, there are witches and there are wizards, and there's other various you know fantastical creatures, though they crop up less often. Wizards in the setting are a little bit more flamboyant than wiz- witches. Mm-hmm. They're all about. Uh, using magic in a way that, that, like, we use nuclear weapons, mostly by not using it. Um, and they mostly hang out at Unseen University in Ankh-Morpork, or their own wizarding universities. They're, yes, um, and they, there are a few different ones. And they mostly spend about one to two hours a day awake, and of those two hours, they spend eating or sleeping, or napping, which is like not being awake, but sort of. Very occasionally teaching classes if they really can't find anyone else to foist it off on. Yeah, it's a real, if they can't find any graduate students or something like that, it's real, real rough. And their magic, you know, it can, can do these big showy effects, but, but like canonically, done. just done for like a month. It takes more effort to do something by magic than it would to just do it physically. I believe like, that it takes exactly the same amount. So if you shoot a fireball out, it uses exactly as many calories as that fireball would consume <laughs> if you were to, to do it, which is why they... They, they shoot, like, one big fireball, then they have to go eat, like, six, six ten-course meals and then take, a, like, a month of naps. But when they do magic, it's it's big-time magic. Whereas witches, when they do magic, it is 
in small, specific, careful ways. And if they ever do pull out the big time magic, well, hoo boy, you have you have done fucked up. That is exactly what it is. And also, when they do use the magic, you know, they're hitting you right where it hurts the most. While a wizard in Discworld is just boom, there goes half of you know the nearby town or something like that. Well, a witch, if they wanted to accomplish the same thing, just does something weird to the mayor, and then boom, there goes half the town, but with much less effort involved. Yeah, I also recall that at one point, um, Granny Weatherwax did duel, magical duel, with the Archchancellor of the Unseen University. He was not ridiculing at the time, but it was one of the unnamed ones. Yes, it was uh, well before that. That was back in Equal Rights, uh, her first appearance. Discworld is one of those ones where, like, the first ten books are almost so separate from a lot of things, they're almost non-canonical. Kind of are non-canonical. Like, some of them get folded back in at the in the later books, but... And there's, like, some stuff in there, like Rincewind and the stuff he did. There's a whole thing, actually, in Discworld where it's just like, yeah, we're all pretty embarrassed about that time we founded a doomsday cult, uh, and it turned out not to be the end of the world. So we're, we're just all going to agree collectively not to talk about it. I mean, the first two books didn't even have Venturi as a patrician. It was someone before him. Uh, Vetinari. Vetinari, I'm sorry. Yeah, because the first one was, uh, he was a fat patrician. That's uh, Mad Lord Snapcase. That's exactly who it is, I think. But he was just named as the patrician at the time. And he's like, we can't have all these gold coins. Our gold coins are only one-tenth gold. This is going to throw off the economy. <laughs> Get over there and tell them to stop bringing all this gold over here. Oh, You're going to totally devalue gold in our economy and we're going to be fucked. Please stop. <laughs> so, away from Ankh-Morpork and into Lanker... There are three witches. There is Magrat Garlic in the early books, who eventually becomes the queen of Lanker. Uh, there is Nanny Og, who is good with people, uh, has a huge family, and has a body sense of humor, you know. And according to uh, Terry Pratchett himself, the most powerful witch. Really? I could believe that. Her power is basically making sure no one knows she's that powerful, so she never has to do anything responsible. <laughs> she doesn't want that's, to. That's her most powerful power, is that no one knows. Uh, no one would ever suspect that Gaitha Og is actually uh, pretty sharp on the uptake. She's very smart, and she's a lot of times, in, in certain ways, more clever than Granny Weatherwax. But Granny Weatherwax is much more stubborn and much more unyielding and much more hardworking. <laughs> than Gaitha Og. There's a whole thing where, you know, Gaitha often sort of, uh, not tricks exactly, but uh, tricks Granny Weatherwax into doing the thing that she was going to do anyway. But she gets her to go along with it. They have a very good relationship. I really I really enjoy it. It's honestly, they're, they're friends. They're, they're double, they're, their friendship is probably one of the best, like, connections that two characters have in Discworld. I really enjoy it. She knows that Weatherwax is a stubborn old goat, and Weatherwax knows that she's a freewheeling devil may care they also both secretly kind of wish they could be the other person but don't exactly that's great it it's pretty good also props to nanny og for just like having an active sex life throughout all all the books she always finds some handsome young man to have sex with good for her unlike poor uh, granny weatherwax who dies at 80 a virgin hey you know she made her choices yeah there's an alternate universe where she has like nine kids with archchancellor ridically yeah not this universe not this not this one she's got better things to do and that brings us to Esmeralda Weatherwax uh, herself. All right. So Esmeralda Weatherwax is sort of a terrifying old crone who lives in a shack by herself. And 
most of her and everyone knows that she's going to do the right thing, even though it's probably not the fun thing, even though it's often not the kind thing. Yeah, there's a difference between what is right and what is good and what is kind. And her whole thing is that she's sort of a sort of a thing that uh, Terry Pratchett does for a lot of his main characters, where characters that are good often are tempted by a darker side of their power. Like you have Sam Vines or, or Veterinary as being like, oh, we could be dictators. But we won't be because that's not the right thing to do. And there's all sorts of stuff like, I could get this done right now and it would be so easy, but then I have to keep doing it that way forever. And then I've lost the world that I wanted to save by doing this in the first place. It's said that um, she knows that she could be one of the best, quote unquote, bad or evil witches in the world if she wanted to do it that way and it'd be so much easier to just you know use magic to force people into doing stuff but she chooses not to because she knows that that's a slippery slope that's how you get started on cackling exactly don't want to be doing cackling all day no of course you don't want to be doing cackling all day also she has a sister who's a fairy godmother who gives people what they want but not what they need who tends to be much more evil because she's like Oh, you want this? And she gives it to you. Well, Granny Wetwax is giving people what they need, even if they don't really know what they need. Often when they really don't want it. They really don't want it. She just kind of knows better. And the sort of the place that witches, good witches exist in, in sort of the rural society is they're the old ladies who know the best. They go around helping people. You know, they... Uh, make sure that people get medicine that they need, heal people's sheep. And they give people advice and things like that, which actually I think goes right into their power source here, which is the next section here, is that in in Discworld, a witch's power source seems to be from their unbreakable will and their like knowledge of what they're doing will work. They have 100% confidence in what they are doing and it's the right way to do it. And that's why it happens, because of their belief. Because in Discworld, belief is what makes things happen. So if you really believe that so-and-so is going to do it, are you really charming them? Or are you just like so persuasive that they're charmed? It doesn't really matter. The same thing happens. Basically, you out-talk reality or out-think it. What you know, Esmeralda is so good at is she's so very, very stubborn. That she can out-stubborn laws of physics. I also enjoy that she doesn't trust actors because she's like, they're, they're messing with witchcraft, which is essentially just convincing people that things are true when they're not true, and they don't really know what power they're wielding, and she doesn't like that. They're being irresponsible with witchcraft. Yeah, I like she both dislikes and also doesn't quite understand the theater. Like, they'll be like, why are they up on stage asking who did it? We all saw who did it. Hold on, this is a waste of time. She gets to be like, we all saw that guy do the murder. Arrest him. Uh, it's, it's very charming. I, I did quite enjoy that. Just every time... Esmeralda with Weatherwax has to go into a large city. It's always pretty quaint. Oh, it's so great. She she's always super uncomfortable. She doesn't like having to get all dressed up. She's like, no, people don't like her accent. People think she's an old, you know, a stupid old woman, which she always uses to her own, you know, gain, but clearly hates every time. But it's also so convenient to uh, be the little old lady who sits down and says, oh, how do you play this game? And then fleeces everybody. Like there's a point in Masquerade, which is the when they when uh, after Magrat has left to become queen, they're looking for a new witch, and one of the most promising witches has moved to Ankh-Morpork and become an opera singer, and so they're there, like sort of look her up, and also because Gaitha Og has had an erotic cookbook published and needs to collect a lot of money. 
I like how she doesn't actually tell her that that's the reason she's going. <laughs> she's just like, I need to see a man about some things. And they're like, oh, whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. They owe me like $100,000 because of this erotic cookbook that I've And made. everyone thinks that Esmeralda wrote it because it's written by a Lanker witch. And Esmeralda is the most famous Lanker witch. Lanker the witch. Lanker witch. So everyone thinks that all this like, oh, you need oysters so you can fuck. <laughs> Is all her. They're just like, well, if Granny Weatherwax says it, it's got to be true. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You can buy the cookbook. Oh, like the actual. I need to. I should get myself. I own it. Uh, It's great. uh, It sounds fun. Um, And so she, they get like fancy dresses made. uh, And Esmeralda is so uncomfortable in this like incredibly lacy, beautiful gown uh, that gets built around her. Uh, that, you know, doesn't use like her eight layers of petticoats and her big pointy hat, but it does leave her hobnail boots because she does, she will not take them off, which I respect. I also enjoy just when it comes to willpower and things like that. At one point, she's fighting a uh, a group of vampires and eventually she lets them bite her and it actually kills the vampire instead of her because she has more will than the actual vampirism disease. She makes them get weather waxed instead of them, be, instead of her being vampirized, and then they turn into like little old ladies that really want uh, want some tea and biscuits, a cup of tea and some biscuits. Yeah, and that's from the book Carpe Jugulum when vampires invade Lanker, which is the first one I ever read, the first Discworld book I ever read. It's great. It's a really good one. It's kind of the same as Lords and Ladies, but I honestly I think better done. Lords and Ladies, I think, has, like, kind of some fun stuff with the elves and how, like, everyone loves them and they're so beautiful and nice. And then, like, they take off their glamour and they're just, like, slightly unnerving and alien looking. And you realize that they're just, like, cruel, merciless dick monsters. Not, like, not like sexual dick monsters, but just, like, they're just, like, I want to see the red things because it's pretty and the red thing is your blood. <laughs> I really like the, the Discworld elves and uh, I wish that that type of elf would show up more in modern fiction because it's definitely like that in like a lot of fairy tales yeah the elves are like fairy tale elves where they're other and like cruel and but they have rules they have to abide by but you don't want to catch their attention yeah they're very much um shakespearean elves yeah and i i love them yeah i think that's my favorite type of elf it's much better than your haughty fancy tolkien elf which is i've definitely read some books where those kind of elves show up um yeah they're around they're around but but they're rarer than just like we're cool and long-lived and super magical and everyone loves our totally smooth skin we have no hair. What about eyebrows? Oh, we have those, but just nothing else. I'm just, just like, a long oh. dip down my thanks, rippling ass. Thanks, uh, thanks, Dungeons and Dragons Third Edition for specifying that the character handbook. Yeah, D and D. What the fuck? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're just like, and it just like just they had to pick out totally hairless on their entire body. I'm like, when oh. is this ever going to come up? D and D. It comes up a lot, but that just has to do with people who play yeah, Dungeons people, and Dragons. Oh yeah. Yeah, dirty birds. Uh, but yeah, so in Carpe Jugulum, vampires invade Lanker, and uh, those vampires, like one of the things they've done to overcome the vampire's curse, which is like being being frightened or hurt by like holy objects or holy symbols, is they like... They've become like atheists, right? They, they, well, they become atheists, but they study religion, and they're like, oh, well, this picture of a thing, that's just two looped circles together, you know? 
That's uh, what? That's not holy. And then after you know, uh, Esmeralda weatherwaxes them. She's like flips that over in their head and stops it being from being like, well, it's just two circles, so who cares? To being like, wait, these two circles are everywhere because you've we now just recognize that these are just patterns. So everything is is fucking with us constantly. I also I think it's kind of interesting that in that book it was sort of like the vampires show up and they're like, no, 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 we're civilized vampires. Don't worry, but they're still awful monsters. Yeah, they're, they're... just pretending to be civilized. Well, but interestingly, the... later in Discworld, you do have vampires who aren't awful monsters. I believe there's one on the guard who just has replaced his need for blood for a, a horrible addiction for coffee. Uh, that is in Monstrous Regiment. Uh, yeah, that's in Monstrous Regiment. With, uh, yeah, well, yeah, who's replaced it with blood for coffee. The guard does eventually have a black ribboner. I can't remember what her whole obsession is, but yeah. And um, the, in The Truth, the uh, there's a vampire photographer who, who has uh, replaced his craving for blood and bodices and all that kind of a thing with an obsession with light and its interplay. That's and doesn't he get, like, poofed every time he takes a picture yeah, he, because of the light? Yep, he turns himself to dust almost every time he takes a too bright picture, and he starts carrying around a little vial of blood so that he'll reconstitute so it himself. falls down and reconstitutes himself afterwards. Oh, he's great. I love auto So, like, you have some vampires and some monstrous people where, like, it's sort of a weird case because in that one, I mean, maybe it has more to do with um, the perspective we're seeing it from, Bring at Weatherwax, who is very stubborn, and she's like, this is how it is. If you're a vampire, maybe you're a monster. Because a lot of times, a lot of the Ankhma Pork-centered books are more about you don't have to be what you came from. A lot of the books are very much about that. Like, it's sort of like the, like, Ankhma Pork is supposed to be, like, sort of like a weird fantasy, like, United States of America sort of thing. It's kind of a weird fantasy from... London. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I always felt like it was more of a, um, America thing, because it's a lot of, uh, you come from the old com- country. You move here. It doesn't matter where you are from. It's sort of a you're an Ankhmaporkian now. I would say it's and what we do in Ankhmapork is we make money. <laughs> I would say it's kind of a so. mishmash between New York and London. Like London is a yeah, lot that's... about making money and has kind of a similar ethos to New York. Uh, is the yeah thing. definitely the case. I mean, it's very British and and you like, know obviously Terry Pratchett is. There's British, a lot of so. talk like from Londoners and in books written by Londoners about London about how like. Well, we're not from other parts of England. We're not from other parts of the country. Where if you live in London, you're a Londoner, and that's this is what we do in London, kind of a thing. Um, but I think it is like a, a hybrid of New York and London, but especially like the uh, the river, the Moorpork River. That sorry, the Ankh that runs through Ankh Moorpork. Yeah, that's is our good old thing. Is so the Thames, so the Thames, yeah. But also, though, it's also very much. Uh, the Hudson, which is also a filth yeah, river just, that runs through a giant Just city. terrible filth rivers you can walk on. Uh, um, but just, uh, I, I'd say that a lot of it, when it comes to like things like um, they don't have kings in Ankhmapork, they're really anti-king, but they also sort of secretly crave a dictator. That's a very American concept right there. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, and also the whole like hyper-capitalism. I know that London is also hyper-capitalism, but nowhere is more hyper-capitalism than New York City. Uh, At least in stereotypical ways. Um, it's complicated. I, I don't agree with you. But I think that I think they're at similar levels. But also, this is a wizard podcast, not an economics podcast. That is true. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's get back to uh, her essential life. Story. I, I, I do want to tag through. just a little quick thing on the whole black ribboner vampire who have decided to not drink blood anymore, as opposed to the civilized vampires in Carpe Jugulum. The whole thing with the black ribboners is they've realized, like, oh, if we keep drinking blood, people are going to kill us, and that sucks. 
So let's stop that and like try and be people. Uh, and, you know, sometimes there's still people who like want power. Sometimes they're still, you know, kind of shit birds. Sometimes there's like, I just want to be like a dude, whatever. I want to just, you know, get into photography. But, you know, they're, they're generally the whole thing is they're giving this up so that they can fit into society. Whereas the civilized vampires in Carpe Jugulum have become civilized because they want to take the power they see in civilization and apply it to uh, control people. One of the big themes in the witches books and the witches subseries in Discworld is that people like the root of most evil in that is when people stop treating other people as people and start treating them as objects or prizes or game pieces. When you start treating people as things, um, and which is one of the things that that once again, um, Granny Weatherwax is always tempted to do. Mm-hmm. It'd be so easy because she's so much smarter than everyone else in the Discworld universe, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are not a lot of other people with nearly as much common sense or the ability to manipulate people as as Granny Weatherwax. So it's really easy for her to go. All I need to do is convince this person of that, and you know, just a little bit of magic here and there, and next thing I know, I'm running the world. But she can't let herself do that. Yeah. Um, both because, you know, it's wrong and she doesn't want to live in that world, and also because her twin sister decided to be that witch, and for balance, she couldn't. She has to <laughs> yeah. even it out. She, she's, I feel like she's a little a little annoyed in that whole thing. She's like, I wanted to be the bad one. I grew up trying to be the bad one, and then <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get to be the bad one because my sister got to be the bad one first. And the, the sheer power of stories that has precedence on the Discworld means I have to be the fucking good one. Also, yeah, you have to be the good one. You can't have two evil twins. It's not allowed in Discworld. <laughs> mm, I love that. Um, also, um, I want to talk a little bit about power sources that witches in Discworld have to be in a coven, or not have to be, but if you have a group of witches, you can't have two witches. You can either have one solo witch or three. Because I'm going to read this quote here, which is that two witches get on each other's nerves. The third one helps them make up, so then they can get on the nerves of everyone else. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Uh, oh, oh, Terry. Too good for this. Also, world. I enjoy that the the collective noun for a group of witches is an is argument. Not coven. It's an argument. <laughs> coven. It's an argument. Yeah. An argument of witches. Yeah, and the whole thing is you need to have like it comes in groups of three. So if you have a coven, then you can have a meeting of covens. That's that's nine witches. That kind of a thing. Um, also, um, witches are all about threes and nines, mm-hmm. while wizards are all about eights mm-hmm. in this world. Yeah, there's uh, eight colors in the, in this, this world. The eighth is octarine, the color of magic that you can only see if you're magically sensitive. There's a kind of purplish green or alternately a kind of greenish purple yes also um wizards have levels of very much D styles of which there are eight levels mm. yeah and they have leveled spells of which there are eight levels of spells and they they also use fancy and magic yeah whereas witches it's sort of just like we just do what we fucking want we just do what they want they don't need rules <laughs> that's a clearly a thing that wizards invented so that they could feel better than each other whereas witches just know they're better than each other Exactly. (laughs) Wizards are all very hierarchical. They all have titles. Every single wizard is a dean of something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or a a dean or a a lecturer or something. Yeah. Professor. Yeah, that's why there's an archdean, Ridcully. He's the the archchancellor. There is the dean dean. whose name is just the the dean. dean. Uh, I love the dean. Um, I love love when he gets into rock and roll and... uh, 
Uh, Ladine is like my favorite side wizard. He's great. He's just a far. big teenager. He's the rebellious wizard. <laughs> I also enjoy that at one point, the I think it's the Dean, but it might have been Ridicully, sees... He's like oh, it was definitely Ridcully. Ridcully hates wizards because he thinks they're all just big stupid nerds. But he also hates when other people don't like wizards. So he sees somebody else making fun of a wizard, and he's like, "They were being made fun of by civilians." So I promoted him to uh, to professor so that he'd have the ability to to, <laughs> to do something. God, I love no Discworld wizards so much. They're all such like horrible like uh, they're nerds. Like in various different ways, they're also self-important. Even Ponder Stibbins, who is like tries to be the hip modern, you know, one is yeah, he tries, but he's still he's still a wizard. He can't escape it. Like especially when he gets like suddenly aged into a really old wizard, he's just he's just the same as all the old wizards. <laughs> um, and he's like he's horrified to know that this is his future. <laughs> yeah. I I also enjoy that the only wizard. That so the way that you become arch chancellor in in that is that you get you kill the previous arch chancellor, and the one that who has continuously been arch chancellor for the longest is the wizard who's not really actually even all that good at magic, which is ridically, but he carries a really big crossbow and actually does push ups and stuff, so he doesn't get beat up by nerds. <laughs> it's great because it's so annoying to do magic, and mostly when wizards kill each other, it's not by magic, it's like by poison or like something, but. <laughs> Just, but he's really hard to kill because usually the other wizards are really easy to kill because they're wussies. <laughs> and he, you can't even poison him because he drinks his own homemade hot sauce, which can, yeah, if you drink too much, we will literally explode. <laughs> like you have he, to handle he's it with literally tongs. the wizard version of um, President President Theodore Roosevelt. He is. He's he Wizard is. Teddy Roosevelt, and I love him. Uh God, and he and he plays pranks on one of my favorite one of my favorite uh, sub wizard, the Burser who is a nervous, neurotic oh. man who he literally drives crazy. <laughs> so crazy that he has to rely on dried frog pills to make himself hallucinate that he's sane. <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty dire. But he just, like, he thinks, oh, he's a neurotic man. You know, I need to get him out of himself. Play some pranks on him. You know, stir him up a bit. <laughs> and so he just... He just We'll send our man Rincewind on it. He's a good wizard, right? They're like, uh, uh yeah, send him anyway. I love Rincewind is great too. Like I love that Rincewind is like the main character in the first couple books and then just like fade and then just like fades to being disappears. disappears. He's around, but he's had enough adventures that he knows how to actively avoid them now. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh no, not this again. <laughs> he's, like his... he's got a sense for it. He's a coward, which I love, because he was never because he learned one big spell one real big spell and then couldn't learn any others as i said it's Vancian magic and he used all his spell slots learning one mega eighth level spell it's, like, it's more like a tenth level spell really like when the spells are so big they just don't have practical application anymore but they uh and he can't cast it because it would kill him yeah so he just doesn't but he still has all like the normal wizard senses so he can see octarine and yeah sense magic but he can't do any because all of his spell slots are used up uh, he's just really good at running and he's good with and he's got a, a, a he's got a gift for languages so he like adventures around and gets into trouble but you know if and he just gets his ass kicked constantly <laughs> and somehow survives uh which is just just such a fucking blast i i need to reread some rinsewind novels they're they're Oh, they're a special brand of like they're good, but I also think that a lot wizard. of the Rincewind want. I, I think that the first ten books of uh, Discworld are a little hard to get through. Sometimes. It's true. I'd say that the probably the best Rincewind novel is uh, the Lost Continent when they go to Australia. Yeah, the Lost Continent is good. Um, 
isn't there one where um he's in it i think it's actually a guards book but i think he's in it um where they go to war with clatch a uh, jingo um he's jingo. he's not Jingo's in jingo one of my He's not in Jingo. I thought Jingo. he was. I love Jingo. He's not really in Jingo. I think he like has a cameo. Um, he might, yeah. yeah. Like they bring him in to like translate something, you know. Yeah, I thought they brought him in as, as like he's part of like the, when they bring like they send like eight people from Anchorport to to uh, Clatch to, as like ambassadors, and I thought he was one of them. No, no, no. It would be cool if he, was. he goes to the moon in uh, the Last Hero. I haven't seen that. I read that. It's one. It's really good. Um, yeah. Kind of a it's not it's an illustrated novel. It's really wait maybe good. I yeah yeah. Um, but anyway, let's get back to let's get back to weather like, over there. Just wizard just... sidebar. Oh gosh. Um, we're we're gonna be back to the Discworld universe, I'm sure, at some point. Oh, absolutely, God, I could talk about like this. Just full disclosure, I have read every Discworld novel except for like one or two. Uh, which are the I haven't read the Shepherd's Crown, so full disclosure. But I've read every Discworld novel like. 20 times they were like my favorite books growing up my, i have i have a full collection on my bookshelf i haven't read the shepherd's crown because i don't want to admit to myself that terry pratchett is dead um yeah yeah um but yeah i've read i i could i could spend forever in the disc world and i i really wish i guess there's the gurps Discworld role-playing game but i really wish that uh you know there's just more stuff that focuses on the wizards you know I would really love to have, just spend some time in that universe doing that. I would enjoy like a like a role playing game where you're a wizard, but you don't do any magic. Your goal is to like gather the most titles and not be killed by other wizards. So that's kind <laughs> you don't of don't go on adventures. That's you're kind of pig school. smoke, except for the not getting killed by other wizards part. Have I told you about pig smoke? Yes, you have told me a little bit about it. You told me about it when we visited um, okay. during PAX time before this quarantine. Mm, mm, this damn quarantine that's making us talk uh, yeah, about I just, this, you just You're just trying to become the deed of the most different departments and avoid teaching any classes or doing any work while still getting tenure. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is the, ex- most be- the, the best Discworld wizard game. Yeah. You lose points if you actually cast magic. <laughs> you can. Well, but one of the things you in, don't want to. One of the things in Pig Smoke is that uh, no matter how well, even if you roll like perfectly on a magic roll, there are still always side effects that you didn't want. Uh, but sometimes you can have that side effect be this becomes someone else's problem. <laughs> there is um, there is a uh, um, thing that I've done occasionally in in D anD D that I think makes fun things for wizard stuff is that you're a wizard, so you can rea- you can bend reality. So you can cast spells, and you get one spell that you can change one letter in that spell to whatever the name of the spell is, and it does that instead. And that can be fun. It kind of reminds me of that, because then you have all sorts of weird shit going on, which is becoming more and more infrequent in later editions of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Dungeons & Dragons is... Heavily codified. Heavily codified, and takes itself just too seriously now. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes uh, I mean, does, you know my feelings. More, like, more often than not, I, I like Dungeons and Dragons. I just there are other role playing games I like better. You know, it's true. Yeah. Um. Right now, my group is actually like a lot of them seem to be really into the actual like mythos oh. in, in the setting of D and D, which is interesting because I've never run into that before. That's rare. 
when I ran uh, Which, when I ran games for kids, they got really into the mythos because they liked reading the player's handbook over and over. Yeah, and, they would go on the wiki and they're like, I've got people who are like playing clerics of gods and they like wikied all the relationships to all the other ones and they're really into the Forgotten Realms. I'm just like, huh. Because there are a lot of books and stuff and I guess they've read them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Well, it's cool yeah, that they're into cool. it. Like one of the things, if, if you're really into a setting, you can really get a lot of rich character work out of it. A lot of like, you know, not character work, you know, a lot of rich character yeah, but, play out of it by, you know, playing around with it. You know, that. and I've read a few of the books, so it, it kind of helps, but they seem to have read a little bit more than me, but it, it makes it a little bit more of a living, breathing world instead of just where you're at. And that's, I think, why we're still doing D&D right now is because that they're they're into that. I, I think if, that they like... If you like playing D&D, really, don't let me stop you from, like, loving D&D. Uh, you know what I mean? I would never. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. just, uh, just it seems like they're really into the idea of it and, like, they read about it and they hadn't played any D games but they really wanted to for some time I, that, you know what i mean that's really nice if i'm being honest and i like that they're really into specific like if they're into specifically D, i think that's great um do you know what i mean like well, if they're we'll branch out what, what bothers me sure. honestly playing D doesn't bother me so much what bothers me is when people try and only play D when they're like oh what if we played like uh a game in space. Well, how do we use D and D rules for that, or D and D rules for a post-apocalyptic thing, or a slice of life? I mean, and it's just like, I'm all, like I'm okay with a lot of the D twenty variants that came out with third edition. Like they were okay. Those were at least um, specifically designed. But to they do were that. specifically designed. Yeah. Like they got they, like you weren't playing a fighter in space. Like yeah. they made new classes and stuff that were balanced around each other. Yeah. Um. And, but they aren't aren't doing that because the SRO isn't as uh as public for fifth edition. Mm-hmm. So they're not doing that. Which I think is a real downer. Yeah, it's too bad. But at the same time, I think that it, let's we're getting really off topic. Let's oh god, let's <laughs> let's go back to Granny Weatherwell. Yes, let's. Oh man, you're gonna just have to edit the last 15 minutes of conversation right out of this. Ah, uh, wait, well, whatever. Um, um, where were we? Back to witches. So we kind of went through our essential life story. We didn't talk about her end, though. Um, I mean, so... let's let's do like just a quick whistle stop tour of the basic plots of her books. All right. So basically, she's a witch. She's a witch. She's a scary one of a group of three. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's always Weatherwax and um, Nanny Og. The third witch differs depending on the book. Mm-hmm. She is the crone of the maiden crone mother situation. Mm-hmm. Which all witches go yeah. into. In her first appearance, she takes uh, a young girl under her wing who has been invested with the powers of a wizard and makes her make sure that she gets accepted by wizard school. And that's not really brought up ever again, except very late she in the series. In, yeah, in the, way later way they bring later. it up. Uh, then their first like real witch's adventure is basically a parody of Macbeth um, in um, uh, Weird Sisters. Where the king gets killed and his brother takes over and they do all this, you know, it's 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 Macbeth from the witch's point of view and it's just a, a blast. Um, and you know, she gets captured by them and like tortured and stuff, but like it's it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun, and I'm not making it sound fun, but yeah. Uh, then after that, they go on vacation <laughs> to uh, basically Discworld France, where. Esmeralda's uh, evil twin sister has been a fairy godmother and basically taken control of basically New Orleans, but uh, but kind of France, but kind of basically New Orleans. Um, and what book is that? I don't know if I remember that. Oh, one. that's Witches Abroad. 
Oh, no, I have seen yep. that. Okay. Then they come back and they find that there are some young witches who have been stirring up trouble and have like got to gone into this power vacuum, but without older witches to guide them, they've kind of become yeah, shitty. Yeah, they've gone all like crystals and Wicca. Yeah, which, uh, you know, they actually say they have nothing against crystals and Wicca if it works. But they secretly do have but something they, against it. They secretly do, but mostly they're against them being just like shitty. Like the, the big thing is like if you want a, a, a knife with a cool crystal in its handle, that's cool, and that'll work just as well as a bread knife. It's what matters is that you is you believe in it, and if you like that, that's fine. But don't tell me it's better than my fucking bread knife because it's not. Um, Linker just seems to just generate witches. It's it's witch country. Uh, they I think they explicitly say that Lanker is witch country, like because of the ram tops and the mountainous stuff, and there's like all sorts of trolls around, uh, and and various like holes in reality. Like, it's a weird, crinkly place. Uh, anyway, those young exactly. witches summon elves into the world who start ruining shit. Uh, and, and then they have to trick everyone to... They have to trick the elves into being banished back, mm-hmm. essentially. Yep. Then uh, they go to... Then Magra gets married uh, to... And they have to get a new, new witch. New witch. They, go so to, they get the opera witch. The Agnes, who uh, goes by Perdita who is singing as an opera singer in Ankh-Morpork, and they do the Phantom of the Opera, basically, in Ankh-Morpork. They sure do. Uh, which is... <laughs> that's my favorite witch book, That's the, the first time... No, it's not the first time. The first time they turn Nanny Og's terrible old cat Greedo into a human is in Witches Abroad, and then they do it again in Masquerade. And let me tell you, Greedo is an uncomfortable, like, reverse furry. <laughs> Just... It's he's it's awful. He's explicitly just like this is a sexy man with an eye patch now, where before he was just a foul-smelling old bastard cat, <laughs> stinky. Well, bastard you know that cat. to cats, he was probably God's gift to cats. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, had got kittens all over town. I mean, he was like the male version of of uh, Nanny Og, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and eventually he like loses control of his morphic field and starts accidentally turning into a human over and over, which is very confusing for him, and at points very unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to do stuff to people's morphic fields. No. Polymorph is a big deal in uh, Discworld. Mm-hmm. That's why there's an orangutan running the Unseen University Library. Exactly. Um, so after that, I believe, is Carpe Jugulum. Yeah, I think that's Carpe Jugulum. Vampires come and uh, vamp up the place. Uh, And, you know, Magrat has to get back into witching to drive them off. Granny Weatherwax weatherwaxes them. Uh, There's a uh, priest from Omnia who is just, you know, an evangelical who uh, eventually finds his true faith and kills a bunch of vampires with an axe. It's uh, it's a pretty badass book, actually. Yeah, I like that. That's one of my very. That was my very first uh, Discworld. Oh, dude, I didn't realize it was that's a, a great a one series. to start on. Honestly, I did not realize it was a series, and then I went back, and then I didn't really like the first two, and then I skipped to Feet of Clay, and then I kind of read them all over, and like I read a bunch of the Watch books. And I was all over. The place. I read them like all out of order when I was starting well, out. So they were like whatever was available in the bookstore that I could convince my parents to buy for me, and then that was pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I got. I got. Uh, Carpe Juggalum in uh, the library when I was in, like, ninth grade. I just picked it up because it was, like, one of those books that they had put on the top. So you, you didn't have to go through all the library stuff to get it. <laughs> and I was like, huh, looks good. Seize the blood. Hmm, blood, huh? Throat. Sounds good. Okay. Oh. I guess I'll read this. Yeah. And then I, like, kind of went back and I was, like, not super into the first two books. Just because they're, they're, 
I have a really hard time recommending Discworld to people because of the the, the first two books being real. That's the thing with Discworld. You really got to recommend somebody like you just say like, don't start at the beginning. Start at this book. You got to recommend them a specific. Yeah, like book. I say, start with at least Men at Arms. Yeah, I've got a lot of I've got people who like I've got friends who like say they don't like Discworld because they read the first book and then they're like, I don't need to read the rest. It's gonna be like this, and I'm and I can't convince them to try other ones. Yeah, it makes I know. Me That's so what I'm sad. always afraid of. Yeah. Like Kira, I think needs to read some Discworld at some point because I think that they'd be right up her alley. But I don't want to be like start with the first that, ten books because they're bad. Let me have her start with Carpe Jugulum. If it's the one that made you like Discworld, you know that she'd probably uh, like it too. Maybe. I mean, I think Carpe Jugulum is a weird one because it's like kind of part of a series of the witches books. They're all part of a series, but they're also all standalones. But like, you can also get like, you know, you can start with Guards Guards, Which... and then go to Feet of Clay uh, or something. Weird like that. Sisters is also a pretty good starting, and Guards Guards is also a really good starter. Yeah, I think Guards Guards is the one people on the internet seem to recommend yeah. because the the Guards books seem to be the ones that are most interconnected to each other. Yeah, and also they. You don't need to know about the rest of the world. You're just like, oh, okay, this is a weird, yeah, funny fantasy universe. You just need to know a little universe. bit about. Yeah. yeah, you just need to know about Hank Fork and nothing mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, where were we? Do we want to go into the Tiffany Aching books at all with her? Because she is definitely related. I would say so. Like, so she. Because you got like mentors. I'm showing up on your microphone again. No, not I can see. I'm hearing myself, but hey, we'll we'll not worry about it right now. Um. Yeah, so she mentors this younger witch, Tiffany Aching, who is from the down country, the chalk, where, you know, sheep are. And, uh, you know, she's a flint witch in that she's a really hard, a hard-headed young girl from a country where it's usually all soft. And, uh, you know, uh, the whole Lanker being witch country comes up again where Granny Weatherwax is like, well, how is she a witch? She's not, there's no good hard stone for her to witch off of. It's underneath, so. it's underneath the, mm-hmm. the rock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, you find like flint in in chalk, which is some of the hardest stuff you can get there, you know. Um, yeah. Um. And eventually, like, she has this sort of thing where she like is the only witch on the chalk. Like, she doesn't really have like a coven or anything like that. Um. And the previous witch was her grandmother, who doesn't even admit to being a witch. Um. Mm-hmm. But actually, has a lot in common with Granny Weatherwax. Actually. Yeah, they would have been friends. Um, yeah, they definitely would have been friends in in the way that they they operated. Yeah, um, and eventually she uh, sort of um, becomes the heir apparent for Granny Weatherwax. Even though at times when Granny Weatherwax has been missing before, uh, Nanny Og has stepped into that void. Um, like the time when Granny Weatherwax disincorporated herself into like twenty five different animals at once and got lost. Yes. Oh, Granny. Um, and then Nanny Og was there, and she was just like, it's so much responsibility, you have to be mean to everyone, I hate it. <laughs> I have to I have to make sure all these people don't do dumb shit. I no. love doing dumb shit. That's my she's, favorite thing to do. Like, no one gives me any gifts anymore because they're all afraid of me. It used to be that people would I bring me whiskey keys. all the time. People give me tchotchkes, that's the reason I'm a witch. <laughs> oh, Nanny Og. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um... And eventually, Granny Weatherwax, you know, she does, spoilers. She, she does die. She dies in the last book in uh, Shepherd's Crown, uh, the last Tiffany Aching book. And it's is, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 rough. Yeah. You know, I grew up on those books. And then with Terry Pratchett dying very soon afterwards, mm-hmm. 
it was yeah it was like watching him die too and he was also and had the was, alzheimer's at the end yeah which, he also had alzheimer's which was like heartbreaking yeah like it affected affected the book quality they were still good they weren't as good and also now shitty fans online are always like yeah you can really see the alzheimer's coming in, in this book and it's like shut the fuck up um yeah, sorry, i don't think yeah. that that's really the case i get i get mad at people on the internet I shouldn't. And I, I said, like, Terry Pratchett has actually written a lot of things outside this world, and you read, like, the, the Movers mm-hmm. series the, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The and, Truckers, Diggers, and Wings, the Bromeliad yeah. trilogy. Which are okay. I, I like them. I really like Carpet People, which is one of his first things, which is very embryonic. I didn't read that one. Oh, you'd, but, you'd like, like it. What's not interesting about it is I almost feel like if you do read Discworld and, and maybe some of the Movers... Um, series or truckers or whatever they're called. I can't remember. But if you read them, you can almost watch him develop as an author, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool. It is. You want to talk about her worst enemy? I think we should. Because I don't know if she has one. I think she's everyone else's worst enemy. (laughs) And I wouldn't even say that she's herself's worst enemy because I don't think she is. I think that she might be happier if she hadn't made the choices she had made. She but... definitely is, because alternative universe Esme Welderwax, Weatherwax was happier, yeah. you know, mirroring ridiculously. But she knows that she can't do that because it's not the right thing to do. So she doesn't, mm. because it's yeah. not responsible. Yeah, she had a bigger, she had a huge impact on the world around her, basically, because of the things she's made. She's helped I mean, a lot of Death people explicitly and saved a lot her lives. when she dies that she made the Dude. world a better place. Oh, well, that's good. Uh I need. To, I should read Shepherd's Crown. I said, "Dude," because I was like, "Oh, it's Walrus." Oh, sorry. That's yeah, cool. Um, I mean, I know what happens in there. Uh, so I, I could see your interpretation for herself being her worst enemy. Um, no, I don't think she is. I was oh, saying you don't that think even she's everyone else's worst enemy. I think she's everyone own. else's worst enemy. I don't think mm-hmm. she doesn't have time for worst enemies. You know. I think you're right. I think enemies are she would call them foolishness to have an enemy. Yeah, exactly. She would have She's people like, she why would won't you do tolerate. That? But yeah, I think it's definitely a thing of like, oh, I don't have time to have fucking enemies. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I don't I don't think she has a worst enemy. Her core sadness, I think, has more to do with, you know, kind of a lifetime of regret of having to always be the responsible one. Yeah, I would say so. Her core sadness is absolutely that while she's done the right thing and helped a lot of people and, you know, found satisfaction in her work, she's been alone pretty much her whole life, except for, you know, witch friendships and things like that. And I think she really, I wouldn't say she regrets it exactly. She uh, explicitly doesn't. She doesn't regret it, but I think she misses it and it makes her sad. Like she's had a full rich life that's done a lot of things, but like it hasn't necessarily been a happy one. But she's too stubborn not to do the right thing, and I I admire that about her. Well, I think that's uh, meet the wizard over. Shall we go on to best spell? What is the best spell that you have? Best spell canonically. She has a few like big ones that she likes to do which are her uh, going into people's minds and things' minds and kind of like... Sure. Yeah, so borrowing. She uh, can sort of ride around inside of the minds of animals. Wow, and not just animals. People, too. It's true. Not just people. She, I... at one point, goes into the mind of the Unseen University as a concept. 
and feels how it feels. Right. And so, also yeah. at one point she goes into the earth. Yeah. She can kind of send her consciousness into whatever and not exactly control it because she's explicitly like, this is not controlling something. You nudge it to do things that it would do normally, but there are the things that you would want it to do. You know, you're you're riding along and you got to be careful not to lose yourself while you do. And there's always like a fun sequence when she gets back, when she behaves like the thing, like when she gets back from being unseen university. <laughs> She's like has to remind herself that her feet are feet and not wings of the of a building and that she doesn't have like a door. Exactly. <laughs> or when she gets back from being a hawk, she like will sometimes jump from her chair. <laughs> doesn't she like over, turn like, into a hawk for like eight months at one point because she gets really into it? And that's when everyone thinks she's dead. And Nanny Og has to take over as the crone for that time and she's just like, This is so inconvenient. <laughs> Someone has right. to go find her. Maybe. I don't recall that book. Is that a Tiffany Aching book? I think it is. Yeah. Just reread those ones. Uh, yeah. And uh, when she could, like, she she also does, like, a swarm of bees, which is, which is explicitly the hardest yeah. one because it's a, a, a mind made up of thousands of minds. Um, and when she gets back, she just glugs down. She chugs honey, <laughs> uh, which is just delightful. Um so that's a that's a pretty good spell. Um, she can also uh, like she's got headology as well, which is not explicitly magic, but kind it's like of a, is. A, applied psychology. She you know understands how people think and how to convince them of things and like how to get them to convince themselves of things. But also like when she really twists that screw, she can like really change the way people like think about stuff. This is, this is someone who. When the fire goes out, she just glares at the log for like five minutes until the fire reignites out of it, out of embarrassment for itself. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, a lot of the stuff she does sort of falls under just sheer force of will manipulation of physics. Like she can also like she can throw lightning bolts, but she doesn't see the point unless she's making a big point about how Has she, she wants to. Has she ever done that? Yeah, dude. In um in a duel with the young witch who's like doing the whole taking a shot at the throne thing. Mm. Uh, they have to knock the hats off each other's head and uh, she just does it with a stick, I think. And uh, then the witch is like, you couldn't, you have to do it with magic. That doesn't count. And then she just like looks over her and extends a hand and just blasts it with a lightning bolt. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. I, so I, I, I think, you know, that, that raw manipulative energy is, is cool, but it's not, that's Wiz Biz. That's, that's not Wiz Biz. That's not Witch Biz. Most Witches of her can, big victories have come from applied headology of changing the way people perceive themselves or others or things like that. You know, like with the vampires, she weatherwaxed them. With her evil twin, um, she flipped the stories on her. Um, exactly. What was with um, with the usurper? Uh, what did she do with, with the usurper? She kind of just arranged things so that he would be dethroned and also moved forward time in the kingdom by 15 years in one night. Yeah, by 15 years, which is like, I was actually going to say that that one might be the uh, best spell right there, or at least the most powerful one. Yeah, she works together with Nanny Og and Magrat Garlic, and they just move the whole kingdom forward 15 fucking years. They're just like, oh no, the person who's supposed, they, they kind of pull what I'm going to refer to as an Ocarina of Time on, on the whole universe, where they're like, Oh no, the person who's supposed to be able to take over and, and save everything is destined, but they're only like four years old. Well, we'll just, there you go. 
<laughs> no, everything's fine. No uh, problem no there. No harm, no foul. Uh, I so that's I think her biggest spell. I don't know if it's her best spell. I don't know if it's her best. I think it's her biggest spell, but I don't know yeah. if it's her. I think her best spell is just borrowing. I'd say. Yeah, it's the one she's best at and most known for. And, and she like, makes the most use of. Yeah, getting into people's heads and rummaging around and riding on things. Yeah, I think I think borrowing is the best spell. And I think the best use of it, it's got to be the swarm of bees, right? It's, some, it's it, in Lords and Ladies. And I think she just has the bees, like, sting the elves to death. I don't remember, but I don't, I don't know if I'd say that that counts as their best. I'd say, like you know, becoming the university or becoming, or just, just the fact that she can do it. So that's like, oh, that's she, how she learned. She put her mind out of the reach of the queen by doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it was in all the bees. Maybe that is pretty good. Maybe it's when she weather waxes the vampires. They're all pretty good. Like they're, she's so subtle with the magic that it's like, you're not looking for the big boy magic here. You're looking for like, just what was the coolest little thing you did? Yeah, let's let's shrink down our thing. Let's not look for her biggest effect. What's our favorite thing that uh, Esmeralda Weatherwax has done? And let's take a second to think about it. Okay, I think I've got mine. I feel like I might want to be going for that vampire bite. Okay, that's good. Uh, my, I think, favorite is when she's sitting up with a dying like child, and uh, uh, and there's also a sheep in there, and death comes, and she challenges him to a game of poker or cripple Mister Onion. Uh, and death throws the game, but there still has to be a death, so she swaps out the death of the sheep for the death of the kid. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. good. Yeah, you got to have mad respect for death to to throw his game for you, because you know death death isn't gonna lose at Cripple Mister Onion, even to Granny Weatherwax, unless, unless he wants to. He wants to. He will lose at chess because he doesn't understand he does the not rules. Get, he does not get chess. <laughs> Which is my, one of my favorite little death little details. <laughs> he does not remember how the horses move. Uh, <clears throat> so, those are our best spells of Granny Weatherwax. Next up, Whizbiz. How would they use their magic to run a company? Why don't you mind your whiz? She wouldn't. The end. <laughs> She'd just be like, what, what bullshit is this? I'm already running a whole country, basically. I don't need to run a country company. <laughs> she wouldn't even be... She would run a company, but she wouldn't actually be part or a, in charge of the company. She'd be like the person who writes the perfectly detailed letter to the Better Business Bureau that changes everything somehow. Let's put aside the fact that she wouldn't want to do this, right? It's because she's got her own shit going on, right? Well, yeah, it just, I just, like, it's, it's, it's not even just that she wouldn't, but I feel like she'd be, like, diametrically opposed to doing so. <laughs> but okay, let's say she just let's, ended let's, up, let's take instead of being in step, charge of protecting she, Lankar, she is in charge of being in charge of this business. She has medicinal re- remedies. Uh, that's one thing. So we could go play around with that. But I think that's pharmaceuticals. I think that's a little boring. Yeah, I mean, a lot of witches could do that, but not specifically. Granny Weatherwax is watch. Granny Weatherwax, wow. Um, so it's really more of a psychology witch. Mm-hmm. Psychology witch and borrowing witch, yeah. yeah. 
which can I think intertwine. I think the reason she's so good at headology and psychology is because she can actually literally get inside of people's heads. Yeah. So let's think about that for a minute. What would the headology and borrowing sort of combo for in a way that we would be able to make money off of it uh, in this nakedly capitalist hellscape we live in? Depressed thinking about it. Um, I don't know. I could see her running like a, some sort of like online therapy business where she just headologies into there and just cleans stuff up in your head. <laughs> so she'd be just the most effective therapist, you mean? You know how when you go to therapy, they explicitly don't tell you what to do? She would go in there and explicitly tell you. She would go what in there and do. be like, "This is how you're going to make your life right. You have to do this and that and this and that, and don't you dare come back until you've done all four of those things." But yeah, it would I, it would also work. Like yeah, your life absolutely. would be better. So she would like use some of the borrowing stuff, but yeah, she would just kind of go in there and convince you to do things the right way, and then like, just get out. You know, yeah. And Not it would also magically. be one of those things also where like she takes an objective look at your life and sees all of the mistakes that you're making that a lot of time you wouldn't see. I'd say that people would probably pay her good money. I don't know if they would pay her good money because you'd probably feel insulted and not do it, which is why. Well, she would. She would find a way to get you to do it because that's what she does as a witch with a lot of people. Is she doesn't tell them, "Oh, you go do this." She manipulates them in a way where they realize that's what they should do. And then, like six months later, they come back with like a nice offering that they leave on her stoop without talking to her because she's really embarrassed about, or because they're really embarrassed about it in the first place. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so she would basically just be a witch again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she just she just have like a anonymous PayPal and she would never charge for any of her services because everyone would be too angry at the time of service to actually pay her. But then like six months later when their life is better and then they'd think, Oh man, if she could do that, what if she did something really bad to me instead? I better just I'll just send her something on this anonymous PayPal. She'll know. <laughs> just grease these wheels a little bit. She'll know. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, we should go into D&D and debate. So what class would they be in the classic RPG Dungeons and Dragons? Some sort of druid, I'd say, um, because of her weather sort of stuff that she does and going into animals. And um, and then I think she's got like a lot of like skill monkey things like this person is she's got expertise not just proficient but expertise in like intimidation persuasion not sense motive whatever it's called now insight insight and she's got like a lot of points in there and i think she's definitely a wisdom based caster of some sort um her spells just don't really line up really well with D spells really well um there might be some psionicist class spells that might work, but... I was going to go with one of two things. Either a scion from 3.5 uh, with various abilities that allow them to like harden their skin, uh, see inside of other people's heads. There's they have a possession power later on. But I also feel like that doesn't really feel like quite the thing. So it's not just big, veiny brain, you know? Um she it comes from an understanding of the world and how it works, and understanding of people, not necessarily through sheer brute force. But I do think that there's a, a path there. And I was looking around online, and I found something that I think is pretty good. So in Unearthed Arcana, there is a mystic class, uh, with his, which is various paths that you can use to to you know find various gifts that do certain things that are very specific but quite powerful in those specific things. So she would probably be a mystic class using the awakened path, which is all the mental stuff. 
Uh, she's got which is like aura sight. She can uh, read emotions. She can she's aware of people. She has intellect fortress, which is resistant to mental effects. Iron durability when she catches the sword. Mantle of fear. Oh, this is really like pretty darn good. There's actually. even something called nomadic mind, which is for which is exactly what borrowing is. You know what I mean? Like that that fits really well actually. I, I, I knew there was a few Scion stuff from 3rd edition that would work, but that, I'm going to 100% just give that to you. That's too spot on. Well, you know, I can't accept this wizard, this, I can't accept this wizard point because this is based on a Reddit post by Steel Draco, which I was looking around doing, when I was thinking about, like, what are some classes that way fit? And, uh, you know, this, this guy figured it out two years ago on the Reddit boards. Well done, Steel Draco. Sometimes, all right, Steel Draco, you get you get one wizard point. I am I am just like reading this. They're like, Granny Weatherwax cannot be created in Dungeons and Dragons because it's impossible to give someone enough points in intimidation. You just have to <laughs> write, cross the word intimidation out and just write the word yes. <laughs> I enjoy that even even among D and D nerds who have stat at gods before. They're hesitant to stat Granny Weatherwax. <laughs> well, I mean, in a fight between a god and Granny Weatherwax, canonically, we know that Granny Weatherwax will win. I will. I will say that I I am sort of excited in the future when we do a a Discworld wizard because they mm. are D and D wizards. They're just like they're just they're wizards. explicitly Dungeons and Dragons wizards with spell slots and and all the other stuff too. So. Because, like, the first two books are, like, definitely, like, making fun of Dungeons & Dragons is happening explicitly in at least the first two books with Rincewind mm-hmm. and the oh, yeah, there are Barbarian uh, adventure... class levels. Adventures like looking for gold and experience is literally something they say. Exactly. <laughs> so I enjoy this. There are no, no characters with divine powers in Discworld. Technically, there are. Are there? Archcancellor, yeah, the, there's the priest's guild in Yeah, Ag- He doesn't Warpwork. do anything like magical. No, he does. He does. Does he? Archchancellor Ridcully's brother is the priest of the of Blind uh Blind Io. Yeah, I know he's the priest of Blind Io, but he doesn't like have powers. He just No, he does. There's like one thing, there's one scene, one paragraph, but he does do shit. <laughs> I thought he just argued with his brother a lot. He argues with his brother a lot, but like there are times when it's like there's just a one time he's like, yeah, I just got to do this. And he just sends up a quick prayer, blind eye when it happens. And then there's another time when he blasphemes and a bolt of lightning comes down to strike him. And then it just arcs off because he's the fucking head of the faith. That's pretty good. It's really good. I mean, blind Io is weird. Odin man, but that's fine. Yeah. Also, uh, also brother. What's his name? The 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 Omnian priest from Carpe Jugulum has divine power. Brother Mightily Oats. Yeah, Brother Mightily Oats has divine power. For whom the powers. whole entire world is a holy sword. I I enjoy the Om book. Uh, what is the Om book where like small gods? Small gods. I think is one of the brother, best standalone brother. books. Yeah, Brother I mean, Brutha is what it is. Brother Brutha. Let's go. Let's move on to the next segment. I think. How won't you do rate that wizard? I want you to rate that wizard, yeah! So tell me about him. Rate that wizard, where we, uh... Give this wizard a rating based on the very scientific uh, categories of... Hat, magic, and digs. All right, so let's let's start with that hat. I mean, she's got a classic hat. 
Classic witch hat. We didn't really touch on this in what we talked about so far, but hats are really important in the disc world, especially for witches and wizards. The uh, witch without a hat is just a old woman who's got a lot of good knowledge, you know? As we said uh, before, like uh, in the duel, when a witch fights another witch, their goal is to knock the other person's hat off. She also keeps all of her like pins for sewing in that hat. Pins for sewing and also pins for poking. And sometimes the cat is in there, too. Yeah, well, the Nanny Og puts that cat in that hat, absolutely. Well, no, I mean, uh, Granny Weatherwax's oh, hat. Oh, Granny Weatherwax's you. cat. Uh, lady, or no, Hey You. you. Hey, you. It's called You, yeah. As in, Hey You, get off <laughs> hey the you. shelf. Hey get You, the shelf. come inside. So, yeah, I'm going to honestly, I think her hat, such so as it's tall, it's black. It's pointy. It is structurally reinforced with lengths of uh, hard and bendy woods so that it can basically take, like, at one point, like, a tree falls on her and her hat is so sturdy that it's basically a helmet. I mean, if you're going to look at a traditional witch hat. Mm. It's the Ur witch hat. Yeah, it's it's like, got It's got pockets and compartments inside to hold little, shit. Bu- it's a little, uh, little buckle on the front, maybe even. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's canonical, but in pictures, sometimes she's got it. Sometimes. Canonical. And it's pointy straight up and down, and it can hold it to anything, and it is well-made. It is, and her like whole style is both practical and stylish. Dresses all in black. It, uh, she wears hobnail boots. She uh, wears, you know, rides a broom. She's got, you know, a black cape if she needs it, but it's mostly, it's a practical cape. Like, her whole look is both practical and stylish. Uh, I, I honestly, I think I'm going to give her 13 out of 13 on. Yeah, on that's where I'm leaning. I'm leaning like you, when it comes to a, a witch's hat, you can't get any better. You can't um, get any better than granny fucking weather going on right there. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give it 13 out of 13 too. total agreement. Mm-hmm. 13 out of 13 cantrips. It's a good ass hat. Next up magic. So, Granny Weatherwax's magic is powerful and specific. She uses it precisely. Uh, and again, magic is hard in Discworld, so she uses it sparingly. But she she uses it when she needs to and never seems to not be able to do what she really needs to do when she yeah, needs to. Yeah, she's never, like, tired. Yeah, she's not a world shaker. Oh, She does tire herself out from doing magic. Yeah, but That's... she's never like, I can't do it. She's never like, I can't do it yet. When she like, throws that lightning bolt, for example, afterwards, she has to wait until everyone's not watching, and then she fucking faints. You know, like, it, it takes it out of her, but she can do it. That said, she is not a world shaker. She can't create, like, new dimensions and stuff, which is explicitly something you can do in Discworld with enough magic, is you can just make a new dimension. Yeah, um, that's really more whiz-biz, though. I mean, some of the wizards can do it if they Yeah, up. a teeny tiny one. Uh, don't they but, make a uh, pocket dimension at one point to keep stuff in? I don't recall. I don't um, think so. I believe that they do. Um, also, um, Ponder Stibbins accidentally makes Earth. Oh, yeah, he does. He does actually make Earth. I don't make Earth in the uh, Round World books, which are yes. sort of Discworld looking at um, uh, Earth science history. They use they fun. use the ridiculous, uh, their ridiculous thinking engine to do it. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean Ponder. that... No, not Ponder. What's Hex? Yeah, Pond- yeah, Hex's ridiculous thinking engine. That doesn't mean that the witches can't do it, though. No. But they wouldn't. They but wouldn't. also explicitly, so um, what Terry Pratchett has said is that 
Weatherwax, Granny Weatherwax is not the most powerful magic user by far in Discworld, but she is the hardest working magic yeah, user abso- in Discworld. Absolutely. Like she puts her mind to it and she's going to get it done. It does not matter what it is, it will happen. Mm-hmm. But that but she will often be like, I don't need magic for this. You know, she'll do it through. She said, like, something she says is, you can't help people with magic, but you can help them with skin, which is by, you know, actually doing things. And I think, you know, uh, I don't think that's a reflection on her magic use ability, but I think it is a reflection of her ethos, which is her thing is like magic is another tool that we use. It is not the be all end all. And she's not interested in being super powerful. She just she has an amount of power that she knows how to use precisely. This is the opposite of disc or of Adventure Time Wizards. We just want more just, power just and just like, use it however. Just use like, it whenever. Use it for... <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> That's the it's whole magic. Point. <laughs> it's free power. <laughs> um so I I don't think I would give her the maximum rating on magic. No, I'm gonna I'm looking at around a seven. I think I'd say higher than a seven. Uh seven is is below fifty percent in, in our rating system. No, it's not. It's out of thirteen. Seven out of, oh you're right. I thought I was thinking of a different number. Seven is above fifty percent. It's yeah. just above fifty percent, though. That's that's where I'm because we got we're. Uh, I I would give her a nine. I would give her a nine out of thirteen. Uh, she stands toe to toe with the arch chancellor in a magical duel, uh, which is not nothing to sneeze at. She. Uh, but is know, that magic? Well, Weatherwax's vampires. Uh, what? Yes, it's magic. All right. Now just imagine this. I feel like if the Arch-Chancellor of Unseen University, who's also just some guy, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like he's, like, specifically very powerful wizard, um, were to go toe-to-toe with, with Granny Weatherwax and Granny Weather and was as smart as Granny Weatherwax, he'd probably blow her away. Because it's not so much that Granny Weatherwax outmagics people, so much as it is that she just convinces them that they have been outmagicked. Hmm. Do you get? You follow what I'm saying? Like, she's I, not I'm, like, I'm seeing what you're saying. She's not like a powerful magic user, but everyone knows that she's going to get what she wants anyway. So you might as well not fight it. Hmm. I see what you're saying, it, but I also think we're not just giving points based on power. We're also giving points hey, on application, finesse, right? Yeah, application. Finesse. That's definitely the case. And I, I feel like she deserves more than like a 52 percent for that. You know what I mean? I, well, I really don't I mean, think that. A, what other wizards have we rated very high in the power level? Uh, I think the only Merlin, one and Merlin and Saruman. And Saruman, who I think both definitely would outperform Granny Weatherwax. Yeah, I so think Granny so. Granny Weatherwax would convince Merlin to get buried under a bunch of rocks. Yeah, so I don't, but I don't think, but they're like 11s and 12s. I don't think Granny Weatherwax breaks the double digits barrier. Yeah, you know I guess I, mean. I could give her. For the universe she's in, I can give her a nine. Yeah, that we we have to raise based on the universe that these characters are in. You know what I mean? Um, I, th- I, I well, both on that and also on like universal wizardhood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe, it's a delicate maybe, balance. I, I think a nine. Gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bump up to an eight. I guess I, I, you've convinced me, but not enough to a nine. I'm gonna go for okay. an eight, where she is about as powerful as a mortal wizard or mortal magic user in Discworld can be, but is still certainly immortal. 
and can do yeah. the things that mortals can do. She's not. I, w- I like would a, agree. She's a not god. And wizard. I think there are probably other wizards or magic users who are also mortal, mortal who are more powerful than her. But I yeah, mean, she's not like a, a fallen divinity like Saruman is. Exactly. Uh, or yeah, part devil like kind of Merlin. Is, even even you know? in the Discworld universe, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there are other wizards and magic things that are more powerful than her. Oh yeah. Um, like she runs up against them all the time. Exactly, uh, and explicitly, she doesn't fight them in fair fights. Mm-hmm, because fair fights are for suckers. Exactly, fair fights are for yeah. suckers. You know what? Yeah, I think I think an eight, you've talked me down to it, because it's never a fair fight. I think that it's tricky, because you want to give her a higher rating because of her overall effectiveness. Exactly. And I think that that is a fair, like, it's something that we need to acknowledge, because that overall, oh, because if, if we're rating effectiveness, she's a fucking 13. Yeah, exactly. But she gets it done. This isn't every about time. effectiveness rating. It's about magic, magic rating, about magic itself, and about that particular thing. And I and I think our rating system is by design explicitly unfair to uh, lower the magic effectiveness universe. of a of a yeah lower magic things, or also just in terms of total like coolness or goodness. Because we're not rating them based on like are they effective? Are they like cool? Are they well? You know, kind of uncoolness. We're rating them on these on categories that we've chosen because we're sort of holding them up to the Ur archetype of wizard and seeing how they match. And, okay. And in terms of that, like, we can't be fair to, you know, based on like, oh, you know, what happens in these stories. We have to be unfair and ridiculous. So I think an eight, eight is fair. Cause, yes, exactly. And, 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 and Weatherwax is sort of like, almost like a squirrel girl type of character where she will always win in any sort of confrontation. She is never canonically lost in anything in Discworld. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might not be winning in the way that might be, she might just totally change the rules of the yeah, engagement. She changes the rules and then that's how it is. Yeah. Oh, no, she doesn't knock the other witch's hat off with a stick. She saves a child who is uh uh uh, get, gets hurt. Anyway, it's not important. Yes. So, uh, eight out of 13 cantrips for Granny Weatherwax magic. Now, let's talk about them digs. So, where she lives. She lives in a witch's cottage that is well-maintained by her and also people who she guilts into maintaining it for her in the which middle is the of... traditional witch way in, mm-hmm. in Discworld. Absolutely. Guilt is, guilt is a magical power that they have. Absolutely. Guilt is a magical power everywhere, buddy. Uh, That's true. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Italians. <laughs> in a cottage like that, the the roof is thatched many times over, but but totally hardy. The uh, chimney like is very twisty, but it, but it totally works well. She's it's, got a box um, filled with magical secrets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, and also personal secrets. Yeah, but people like we know that it includes like love letters from Ridicule and some other things like that. But people suspect maybe there's a whole other universe in there. Who knows? Who knows? Could be anything. And she specifically tries not to let people. She doesn't quell those rumors. Mm-hmm. And she can light her fire by making it embarrassed. She opens the door. Uh, Nanny Og opens the door by means of a black thread. Granny Weatherwax opens the door, uh, you know, she says, oh, if you look, you know, you realize the same thing could be accomplished by a length of thread. Of course, I hadn't used a length of thread, but I could have. And, be- and I, by knowing I could have, like, it's the same thing. 
enjoy but this. she her door just opens for her when she wants it to by sheer force of will and i think that's great <laughs> i enjoy um, that nanny nanny og is just like well i i was very lazy and i didn't want to do that so i have the string which <laughs> makes it look right. very magical even though yeah. once again technically more powerful than Weatherwax, but she just doesn't give a shit. She's like, why would I do that? That's what daughter-in-laws are for. <laughs> Poor Nanny Og's army of daughter-in-laws. Oh, I know. They can never get any affection. Mm-mm. None Terrified of them are good of enough for her sons, her boys. <laughs> her sweet baboos. Her sweet boys. Who can mm-hmm. she... Nanny Og sees every, every one of her kids as how they were when they were five, including mm-hmm. her cat. When they was a kitten, mm-hmm. she's like, hey, mm-hmm. he would never hurt anyone. He's just a little fluffy he's guy, a fluffy little kitten, the worst cat in the world. Meanwhile, Greedo has literally just eviscerated a deer. Gross. Um, so I think she's got a pretty witchy uh house, right? Pretty witchy digs. Yeah, but I, I'm gonna say she's not explicitly super witchy. Like, this ain't no Baba Yaga chicken house. No, it, it's no not uh, enchanted citadel order and pestle. It's not enchanted citadel. It's not made out of gingerbread. She explicitly avoids making it out of gingerbread like that other witch then yeah. in Discworld who went crazy and turned her house to gingerbread and started eating kids and everyone oh. she agreed it was a shame. Uh, like She keeps like, it oh, to no. a level of normalcy deliberately. Which I think actually ends up taking some points off on yeah, our rating for- this wizard. Because mm-hmm. we're rating on overall how crazy wizard is are these digs. These are pretty, yeah. you know, like it gets some points for being a shack. Shacks are pretty mm-hmm. wizardy. A, a Shacks co- are wizardy. Cottage. A cottage it's is a pretty up wizardy. All alone, she's not living in like Nanny Og lives in a townhouse in mm-hmm. in the capital. Like yeah. no no real points from that. No. Um, but yeah, you know, she has uh, shots and stuff. Granny but. lives in a cottage by herself. Twisty chimney. Yeah. Uh, Tons of beehives, incredible like herb gardens. Yeah, you got uh, some some good traditions going on there. I'm not going to give them a bad score, but I'm, I'm going to say maybe yeah. a six. That I mm. feel like might even be pushing it. Where were you going to go? I'd say Magrad Garlic's digs rate higher because they're far crazy and witchier, right? Because yeah. she literally leans on the aesthetic. And Granny Weatherwax doesn't have time for that. And that brings down those points. As much as I admire her ethos. I admire why, but... Absolutely. But yeah, I think a six out of thirteen is fair. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Also, I enjoy that D and D debate. We usually always agree with one or the other. But rate this lady wizard or rate this lizard. Rate this lizard. Um, rate this wizard is uh is where most of the debate usually comes. It's the most contentious part. <laughs> We're just like, no, it wouldn't be like that. Uh, it's fun. How it's fun dare to you rate my favorite wizard? Well, because we're using points. I know. <laughs> Which has has a clear with D and D and debate. It's it's purely a matter of how do we achieve this, and, and so D&D we're building something together. Could also be something like, but what you think she's only a fifteenth level and she could be a twentieth level, but still, it's still not as. No, much we both there. we both understand D and D too well and these characters too well for that. I think, and also we both are like it's fun to to make up stuff. Uh, this is. Because it's purely point-based, there's also a lot less like, oh, I see where you're coming from. It's I I, I kind of love the arguing quality of uh, I think, Rate I think it's, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah. So, total score, 13 out of 13 hat. Oh, yeah, definitely. Perfect eight, hat. On 8 out of 13 magic. Mm-hmm. And 6 out of 13 uh, digs. digs. Yep. So that is a total of 27 out of 39 points. 
29 out of 37 cantrips. Sorry, 27 out of 39 cantrips. There you go, buddy. You got it. I got there. I got there. That's a good score. Yeah. This is a real solid wizard. Exactly. Lady wizard. Witch. Witch. Real solid witch. All right. So now we ask, was it worth it? Uh, No. No, we don't. We don't? We got one segment before that. Do we? Can I put this on my van? Oh, my God. Can I put this on my van? How did I forget one of my favorite ones? (laughs) I love can I put this on my van. So let's ask... Can I put this on my van? Should I put this on my van? Will it look cool on my van? Will this razor even look cool if I should have put this razor on my van? In this segment, we design a van based on a particular wizard that we are talking about that day. And whether we put it on the side of that van and if it would be super cool. You know what? Almost every time we're always saying, yeah, we should put this wizard on a van. I don't know if we can put this wizard on a van. She explicitly makes herself look boring on purpose. She's got the cool hat and the cool broom. And like, if you look at the Josh Kirby illustrations, she's, you know, got a cool design. Cool, but she's not like, she's not going to be cool and flashy with magic. She's just like, if you have a picture of Grandma Weatherwax, she's standing there with her arms down maybe has a broom and it's just giving you like a vacant stare like why am i on this van yeah yeah she's not she's just not like being on this van she doesn't so I don't approve think we, being on the no. van she's giving you like a real angry look like why are you messing around with painting me on the side of this van it's a perfectly serviceable yeah, van. it's perfectly serviceable and van it goes places and putting me on the van doesn't make it go any faster she's maybe a little flattered deep down yeah. But most but she's she'll never admit it. She's pretty pissed off about this whole thing. Exactly. It took a lot of time for her to post to be on this van and it's not mm. worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, and uh, it's like what's she gonna be doing on that van? Just stare at you. That's the only she's not gonna have any flashy magic or lightning. She might bolts be making or... like yeah, no, she might be mixing up a potion, but yeah, she she pretty much never lets you see the flashy magic. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Or I mean, she would be like, like, "That's not that's not witching. Why are you putting me through that one time? I shot that lightning bolt on there. No, yeah, that's not and me. Most of her her big moments are subtle, and they those don't translate well to putting on the side of a van. She has a low charisma score. No, so I think instead, let's design a van that Granny Weatherwax would, would drive. drive. Okay, I like where this is going. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so it's probably like black, but not pure black. Like you know, weathered black, like almost a yeah. gray because it's a old. working black. Yeah, working man's. It's not shiny. It is matte. Yeah. It is a matte black, but not the kind of matte black where you're like somebody spray painted this. Like the kind of matte black that's you know well it's, done. It was professionally done. Professionally done. I think it's it's an old van because it's been patched many times. It's, it's a Volvo. It's a Volvo because it's reliable it's and you can get the parts it has all been, the time. It has been in in service since 1971. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has some um, things inside of it that are also from 1971 because they're still working and they're still good. Yeah, they're still good. I think it takes her a, a good number of tries to get the van started, but once it starts, you know, it, it'll run forever. Well, but, it, you know, it, it just time, needs a little work on it, just, just like her broom. Work. Exactly. always needs a little bit of work. Always needs a little bit of work. But it gets there, and then other it gets, witches gets are like, "You could get a better van," and she's just like, "But this one is fine. This one's fine. I won't. I don't want to be flashy about this. This one is a good van. Uh, I think that in the back she's got like a first aid kit, a lot of sensible stuff, a big yeah. thermos full of like one of those. 
my grandma actually left me a huge thermos about the size of my torso and height. And like, I would say it can hold maybe two gallons of coffee or yeah, soup or what have you. She's, she's got that. She's in also there. still got the, uh, you know, like the old like almanacs that you used to have and, in your car that had all the, oh, yeah. the roads. Yeah, no she's one has got it anymore. Hundred percent. She has that, but she does not have chargers for a smartphone or anything like that because no, it is, no, that's, that's foolishness. Yeah, that's why do that when you can just yeah. use a good almanac. It's right she there. does have the original cigarette lighter in there, or one that yeah. she's stolen from another van because she uses to light her pipe. That is there, yes, but it's that for it's for it says it's for cigarette lighting. We can maybe squeeze it over to pipe lighting, but it's not to charge a smartphone. That's none of that wrong. modern foolishness. No, absolutely not. Yeah, I think the tires are maybe a little bald. Like yeah, she gets them. Yeah, she gets new ones when the old ones stop, stop working. working, when they burst, you know? Exactly. And um, she knows that, you know, that when they burst, it will burst at a time that's convenient for her. Yeah, if they burst too early, she's going to stare at them until they reinflate, and she'll drive on them until she can, you know, get to a get to a place where she can get new tires. That's, uh, that's pretty much it, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's maybe... Like maybe uh, like a small cot in the back for if she needs to like transport someone who's injured. Or if she needs to take a nap on the side of the road. She needs to take a nap on the side of the road, yeah. I think she's got one of those big metal sun visors to go across the front. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because otherwise it gets hot in there. And that's like one of the few indulgences she'd allowed herself. Just because, you know, she just doesn't like it. She is an elderly person and she's been doing this for a long time and she she deserves it. She's allowed to feel comfortable. She's allowed to feel comfortable. And it took her... 15 years before she installed that because she thought being miserable was allowed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the real key was that it was really Nanny Og that installed it. And she just hasn't taken it out because she does like it, but she doesn't want it. She grumbles it. about it every time. She yeah, says, oh, it's foolishness. Like, oh, I don't use it at all. But, but she, she uses does. it all the time. I think there's like one small fun touch in this whole van somewhere. There right? is, but what is it? That's and it question. was a gift from Gaitha, I think, or maybe from Tiffany. Yeah, one of those two is in there. Maybe there's like a Macnac Fiegel hanging out in there, or I think that either there's something dangling from the rearview mirror, or maybe I thought it's a keychain. I think it's a keychain. Oh yeah, or or one pair of like it would be something really ridiculous. Maybe like a big pair of fuzzy dice. I think she might be one big pair of fuzzy dice. Mm-hmm. And she never comments on it. No. And if you no, comment they, on it, she just stares at you. She just I like, think they were a gift from someone very dear. It was or probably like, it was probably from like Ridically. Yeah. Because he's the kind of person that would be really into those kind of things. I think he would think they were hilarious and like think that oh it'll give you a laugh and you can think of me. And she'd be like, I don't have any need for this. And if and if he ever comes to visit, they're not in the yeah, van. Yeah, if he ever if he ever comes to visit, she has put them tactfully away because she doesn't want him to get any ideas. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But she keeps them in there and she does not acknowledge them. In my in my now new headcanon for actual um Discworld, he has given her a uh, one of those terrible pink flamingos, and she does have it outside of her uh, cottage. Oh yes, absolutely. And in the same exact situation. <laughs> uh, I I really enjoy the uh, instead of can you put it on my van for for characters that can't be vanned. What would what van, van they drive? Be? I I quite <laughs> we kind of did that a little bit for Africa Daniel too. Oh yeah, I mean um, Abraham Daniel has a van. Yeah, he but has. We, we an designed a van, van that so. would feature Abraham Daniel, and he's a super vanable wizard. Honestly. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But I, I quite enjoyed trying to think of the kind of van that Granny Weatherwax would drive. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good. I, I enjoyed that as well. 
Nice little All twist. Right. All right. Now, um, finally, was it worth it? Well, I wanted to point out that canonically, she specifically tells everyone that it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Even Death, who you don't really lie to. Yeah, she Death asked her if it was worth it, and she goes, yes. <laughs> Just like 100%, everything I did was the right thing, and I don't have regrets. And I'm like, wow, it takes a lot to die and explicitly specify that you don't have regrets. But if anyone mm-hmm. can do it, it would be her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have the canonical answer that she believes it was worth it. Um, so I don't think we can debate about whether she would do it all again. Because mm-hmm. she would. Easily. She would. And she even knows that she would have had more fun or been happier, but it wouldn't have been the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't have. And you know, she's felt someone like... who doesn't dwell on the past because she's, she's set in her, her stony ways. I think it might be more valuable to ask is would this be worth it to you or I? I don't know if it would. I mean, Granny Weatherwax lives a world with very few personal connections. She has some friends, but even her friends are always wary of her. Mm. They always think she could be the next Black Agnes. She mm-hmm. could go evil at a moment. Mm-hmm. They know she won't, but she could. Yeah, and that that leads to a distance there. Yeah. And like... she keeps people at arm's length deliberately. There's a specific and, reason she never does anything mean to kids because she knows she does. She, kids are very frustrating, and she snaps at one one time, and then two weeks later she's loading them up into the oven and sweeten and fatten them up on sweets and stuff. She knows that's a slippery slope. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she yeah, lives and, a, a, what I, I think is a lonely life. Yeah. Yeah. And she's and, convinced herself she doesn't need friends, people. but she, yeah. does, she does, which is why it's good that. Nanny, got Nanny, Og. Nanny Og is there, who is yeah. not younger than her, is the same age as her. Just yeah, but different. has a younger heart. Yeah. yeah, younger heart, for sure. And Nanny Og, I feel like you asked me, oh, Nanny Og is worth it, 100%. Nanny, Og's Nanny life is Og awesome. is 100% worth it. She is 100% worth it. She is happy. She's she has got... done everything she wants in her life, and... Yeah, and the witch stuff is, is just bonus for her. Exactly. Like, she loves life. If she wasn't a witch... She'd still be ninety percent the same person. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, exactly. She hasn't let anything get in her way. Whereas you know, Esmeralda absolutely has. Yes, exactly. She's put up a lot of things in in trade for duty. I don't think I would be able to live that life because she just like I'm kind of more. I mean, I'm not like the most gregarious person in the world, but I'm a bit of a people person. So I would be like, no, I want. My my people, my peeps. I'm not the biggest person person, but I do like people and I like spending time with them and doing all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I do comedy. Yeah, I making dance things. around. I don't think Granny Weatherwax makes things for fun. Mm, no, no. She you makes know? them because they're useful. She makes them for useful, but she doesn't understand. She might enjoy like... making them, but, you know, it's not. She doesn't exactly. knit to she's, knit. Yeah, she knits because she's, not... she's like, I need some new stockings. Exactly. She's not, yeah. like, going to make plays or doing improv or playing. No board games or anything no no you know, it maybe would be some, hard maybe yeah. some sh- some card games yeah, but, I, yeah yeah i mean i think overall she lives a good life but not a not a very fun life and i'm i'm just too much of a hedonist for that to really yeah i agree i agree i think this is a much more thoughtful episode of wizard boys than usual well there's a little bit of nostalgia with this one just because this is something that i 
I grew up on, and there's so much there, and now, you know, he's gone and she's gone, and it's just sort of, it's a little melancholy. bit sad, a little melancholy. Yeah. yeah. Some big feels about the Discworld series in, in my, my brain. I definitely was reading it during some formative years for me, so I appreciate it. Anyway, I think that'll probably do it for this episode of Wizard Boys. We'll foresee you next time on... Wizard Boy. Wizard Boy. Our theme song is Valborg Vals by Borg. You can find Borg on their Bandcamp. That's B-O-R-G. The jingles used in Wizard Boys are created by Mess and Finesse Studios in Somerville, Massachusetts. You can find them at Messenfinet.